Welcome to K-Drama School. I am going to discuss the show Queen Maker today, which is written by Moon Ji-young. I haven't seen a lot of shows written by Moon Ji-young. In fact, she hasn't written that many shows. There's a huge gap between the last couple of shows she's written and then Queen Maker. I don't know what she was doing for like that 10-year gap in between these shows, but Queen Maker's amazing. I thought it was like a really well-written political drama. Uh, it's got a little bit of thrill. Um, there's definitely like a fast-paced, action-oriented sort of movement on the show. So yeah, I was able to binge it real fast, real easy, super smooth. The first episode of Queen Maker begins with Chaeryoung caught in a public scandal for being abusive towards her staff members. Like somebody took a video of her as she's like throwing a fit while throwing stuff and yelling at people. Um, and just, you know, rumors of her being like very physically abusive and emotionally and mentally abusive gets leaked. And then she faces public backlash. And the mise-en-scene of Chaeryoung glaring up at the reporters, that is based on actual events that happened with a Korean uh, executive for Korean Air. Her name was Heather Cho, and she was glaring up at reporters when they were photographing her around the time that she got caught in a scandal for abusing flight attendants back in 2014. This was called the Nut Rage Incident, and it's the time when this VP at Korean Air, when she was sitting in her first class seat and the flight attendant brought her macadamia nuts, but they did not put it in this like porcelain bowl, which they were supposed to do. They just left it in the bag. And she threw such a fit that they had to turn the plane around. <laughs> so uh, she was, I don't know, like, I guess she was charged with disrupting air safety or whatever. And um, yeah, like Heather Cho, she is, of course... Uh, a Nepo baby. Uh, she is the daughter of Korean Air's CEO, Cho Yang Ho. And in 2019, reports of the Cho family's abusive behavior towards all of their staff members was reported. Um, and I read this on CNN, but allegedly employees that served the family specifically, they were given a 70 page manual on how to respond when these Cho family members start to be abusive. Like, I mean, hitting people or spitting or throwing vases at them, cursing at them, demoting them or firing them. I mean, like how to respond to that kind of behavior. Like they they were given an instruction manual on how to behave. And it was literally like, if that's happening to you, you have to stand there and take it. <laughs> These employees were instructed to just stand there and take it, to not react to pretend like everything's normal and fine. To literally go against all of your instincts to run away from the madness. Like, that's what they're instructed to do. Which is, in a, in a way, like, no different from how <laughs> how students get treated in some of these uh, situations. Like, I have. Like, I, I was also treated similarly. Uh, how, I don't know, um, soldiers are expected to behave in a military setting okay so it's like i guess abuse in in korean culture is just so prevalent and so common and so normalized that people just don't know that they should not tolerate it and that they should fucking quit and sue and call them out right um, so, yeah, if you're handed a 70-page manual telling you not to react when your boss is throwing a vase at your head, um, that's a sign that you should quit. <laughs> that's a sign that you should not be there. <laughs> okay? So, yeah, this is, this, this kind of stuff, it's based in reality. We're, yes, are we looking at a show? Are we looking at a TV show? Absolutely. It's fiction. It's absolutely fiction. But are some of these fictional tales based on reality? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why else would it be there? If it didn't happen, okay, like it wouldn't be there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> no matter how imaginative you want to be as a writer, no matter how creative you wish to be, it's like, oh, if there is an abusive authority figure in a show, yeah, they are. This villain is constructed out of some kind of truth, so to speak. But with that said, they also the show also does explore Chaeryoung's trauma and where her temper tantrums stem from, and of course, it stems from it stems from child abuse and neglect, right? Which doesn't justify her behavior. No, it doesn't. None whatsoever. And uh, yeah, so the show is an exploration of not this family specifically. Of course, they fictionalize the Kriner family and they call it Unsung Group. But the show is essentially following the through line of Tohi. I mean, Tohi is the protagonist. And who is Tohi? Tohi is the woman who serves the Unsung Group family hand and foot, completely committed to their their corporation. Okay, just like gives her absolute all and ensures that the family's public image is maintained. Okay, so Tohi is like the the PR head for this company. And because she lacks morals and because she ignores her self-dignity, she is rewarded by the family uh, with spoils like a Maserati. They give her a house. They give her a beefy salary. Okay, all the while... The family members literally talk shit to her face. <laughs> like there's this really hilarious scene when the chairwoman and the chairwoman's friend are like doing, you know, they're doing art, <laughs> right? And Toei's just there to like, you know, run an errand. But they start speaking to one another in really lousy French, you know, assuming that Toei doesn't understand what they are saying. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. But Tohi isn't an idiot. She knows that they're talking shit about her. And it's just such an interesting scene, right? Like how the mise-en-scene is using the French language, this European language that the wealthy elite acquired to signify that, oh, you know, like European languages are reserved for the elite. It's for the educated. It's for people who can afford to live abroad and study abroad and acquire these languages and return to Korea and talk shit in front of their subordinates to their face. Like as if they're cloaking or speaking in code when really they're not, right? They're being assholes. <laughs> they're being dicks, right? Uh, the show is uh, fascinating in how they... They make Tohi the protagonist. Like, I mean, she starts out as this sort of like, is she going to be an anti-hero, right? But no, this is a show about Tohi as the protagonist who is on the mend, all right? Like, she's hit a wall after uh, a staff dies, commits suicide on Tohi's watch because of something Tohi did, right? Well, I mean, Tohi isn't the only person. Of course, like, the woman was assaulted by the Eunsung group's son-in-law, but Tohi doesn't follow through on the complaint. Like she does not, she doesn't do her due diligence on behalf of this young woman who was raped, right? So what Tohi is doing is she's trying to get back her morals. She's trying to get back her ethics. She's trying to turn this ship around. So it was really uh, an exploration of how does a woman change her life after walking on the dark side for a very long time and what she does is she goes to the total opposite she goes to this human rights attorney named Ogyung Suk right who is like she's you know an activist she does pro bono work she stands up for you know part-time employees rights like middle-aged women's rights when they get fired for you know for for unfair reasons okay and she's like a, a woman who stands up for the little person the little man the little woman okay she's somebody who stands up for human rights for anybody who's been marginalized and that's not that wasn't Tohi's bag back in the day like Tohi's thing like her thing was kissing ass for the elite running around for the elite and she herself you know, benefiting from the elite. That's what she was doing. But now she wants to do something totally different. And she wants to turn Ogyung-suk into the mayor of Seoul. Yes. 
I really love the actress who plays Oh Kyung-suk. Her name is Moon Sori, and she's a veteran actress in the Korean film industry, and she doesn't really do a lot of television. So this was this was a surprise. This was a a pleasant surprise, and it was interesting because Moon Sori really doesn't do a lot of TV. In fact, when I saw Moon Sori playing a supporting role on the School Nurse Files, I was pretty surprised. I'm like. This isn't her thing. Like, Moon Sori does, you know, art house films. Like, she's an art house cinema actress, you know? I first saw Moon Sori in one of my favorite films by art house filmmaker Yi Chang Dong in a movie called Oasis, which she uh, starred alongside Seol Kyung Gu. And she won a lot of accolades and awards and recognition for that very bold performance. She also performed in Peppermint Candy with. Uh, it was an Lee Chang-dong film and she was you know quite amazing in that as well even though her role was a lot smaller and I've always admired Moon Sori for taking bold risks as an actress she does a lot of indies she does a lot of art house stuff and she always like does like extreme roles that are very physically and mentally and emotionally taxing so you know Moon Sori to me is like a definitely an like an artist yeah i look at her as an artist whereas you know we all know who kim hee is i mean she's like a k-drama queen right i mean kim hee has that commercialized branding that wraps her up but here she is here's moon sori playing with kim hee like total indie on the one hand and then total commercial on the other hand and these two worlds are coming together right and it's like it's like the show is aware of its meta message of the meta co-creation that's taking place by casting Moon Sori with Kim Hye on a Netflix series. You know, like I mean the the title of the show is Queen Maker, but there's like this parallel of a queen making that's occurring. It's like, "Oh, Kim Hye is already an established K-drama queen and let's usher Moon Sori in." you know, to the, the K-drama world and turn her into a queen, right? This is like the, the queendom of Moon Sori's acting career happening on Queen Maker via Kim Hee's queen status, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is a Netflix exclusive and it's only available on Netflix, not on any Korean broadcasting or cable channels. And it's got this really fascinating balance of political thrill and drama, but also with like the mom drama. There is a little makjang quality to it in that, it, you know, they get messy, they get loud, they get ugly at times, but it's all done in a kind of a tasteful, sophisticated way. The show explores complex issues around feminism, career, and motherhood, also socio-cultural issues uh, related to state and political economy and ethics, and also related to marginalized identities in South Korea, like migrant workers who work for the Unsung Group family, but are abused. You know, like that South Asian woman who was, you know, like a nanny to this baby, and then she gets fired. Yeah. For, for what? For speaking Korean to the baby? I mean, that was her big offense. That's the one thing I really appreciate about Korean dramas is that a lot of K-dramas are really excellent at using middle-aged women stars as the lead, as the central figure to their stories. And the stories are always unique and weird and interesting. And that's not as common, I don't think in Hollywood or elsewhere. So I really appreciated Queen Maker for what it is. Today's guest is Connor Hangsleben. He is, well, he used to be an L.A. comedian. I guess he'll always be an L.A. comedian. But he is now based in Minnesota, which is where he is from, living in St. Paul. And he is a very, very funny comic. He's definitely a comedian I respect for his craft and his work. And uh, we have a really hilarious, fun time. So let's talk to Connor Hangsleben. All right, cool, 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 cool. Good to have you. So you are back in Minnesota. What? Since when? Why did you leave? What happened? Since since May, probably. No, so so like May, 
like I, I was like I left LA and I was just like like on the road a bit and I went I had a buddy that lived in Kansas City so I stayed with him for a month I was just doing shows down there and then so I've been back here since like August really which it's been good I like it I'm a lot happier mm-hmm. than being in LA because I don't know let's say like, like you can't get any time out there and it sucks it's just like I'd work 12 hours a day in a fucking restaurant and then pay $15 a night to do open mics. You know, I mean, it was, it was annoying. Cause like I was going on the road a lot for like a whole, like most of the pandemic. Right. So like, I was never there. I'd go back for a yeah. week and it'd be nice. Like I'd see people yeah. and then I'd leave for a month straight Sure. and then I'd get back there. And then, yeah. But then like that stopped, like I stopped yeah. opening for this dude and then it was three months there. I was just like working. But 12, we're going to, uh, you know, fucking Dialogue Cafe. Yeah, I was working there from like eight to eight to five every single day. This is so fucking shitty. There's only server over five, two. Because all the other servers are Mexican dudes. So like, I'm the only one that get, would get yelled at because I'm the only person they can see. So the managers will look from a window. They don't see Eduardo because he's fucking hidden. He's underneath an umbrella. <laughs> He's in between the tables, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. He yeah. was pointing at me the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. fucking big and tall and white and they can spot you from a mile away. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so just like sick of restaurant that. Restaurant work you know? is the worst. Restaurant work is the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. You work in a lot of restaurants? I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I worked at a lot of restaurants since I was a teenager and into into college, but then, like, I, I was like, I am never gonna do this again because it's so demeaning yeah. and you get paid. Like what kind of restaurants paid, was like, it? Shit, you get treated. I worked at uh, I worked in New York because that's where I'm from. Oh. So New York yeah. City has like, you know, like decent restaurants. Like they take dining out very seriously over there so yeah um i mean i did i did learn a lot when i was younger like i learned about wine and you know food and things like that and i appreciate it i worked at do you know thomas keller he's like this big restaurateur uh, okay so it's it doesn't fucking matter but like there's this dude he's a chef named thomas keller he owns yeah. like a couple of uh like you know four-star restaurants like per se is like a big one french laundry is another one okay oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah valley yeah so he owns like these fucking restaurants and so he had this smaller cafe called bouchon bakery and they had a retail cafe and then they had like an actual dine-in cafe inside the time warner building at columbus circle in new york city and that's where i worked and i I learned a lot. I learned a lot about fine dining and cuisine and all that shit, but I hated working at a restaurant. Also, I'm not a good, like, server. I'm not a good barista. I'm not a good bartender because I hate, like, being hospitable to people, you know? When people are like, oh, I need something. I'm like, go fuck yourself. I need a lot of things. I hate (laughs) that I am here. So... They would complain about me all the time. They're like, when are you going to fire Grace? Like, can you please fire Grace? Like, she's like the worst. And I just, I I eventually just quit because like they actually, they had no grounds to fire me. They were just like, oh, you don't smile a lot. And like, you know, you seem really grumpy. And, you know, some of the staff and like some of the, you know, guests are like scared of you. And (laughs) so, yeah, I just, I've gotten that before. Because like when you're not like, happy just like improv people are a good way because they're lying the whole time you know what i mean like stand up it's kind of like oh you're being yourself you're being honest right you're not it's like you can't do that when you're waiting tables because that most of the time you're not fucking happy you're just (laughs) right just fucking yeah okay here's your shit yeah they just want to be deluded it's like you know just want to go to fucking universal studios for an hour you know but (laughs) that's what they want they want you to be a character they want you to be some sort of fucking minion in front of them. I know. I know. And you know what? It's not it's not unfair of them to expect that. Because, you know, when I go out to eat, I do want good service. And I do want, like, a chummy server who isn't a dick, yeah. you know? So, like, the yeah. expectation is not wrong. It's just I am wrong for this business and this industry. Like, that, 
yeah. is like vividly clear. And like in my in my 20s, when I was like, I'm not going to do restaurant work anymore. I broke that promise to myself right before the pandemic because I was so strapped for money that, you yeah. know, through another comedian friend, I got a like a hostess job at a ramen place. And they yeah, fired which one was me it? in like 10 days. 10 days? <laughs> Jinya Ramen. <laughs> what street's it on? I didn't, I didn't last two weeks. It was in. It was a downtown LA uh, one, and oh, they fired me because it's probably they got now. two negative Yelp reviews in like, oh, like the whole time that I was there. I don't know. It might still be there. That's pretty good though. I don't know. I don't care. But uh, they, they had every right to fire me. Yeah, I, yeah. I was the shittiest hostess. People would complain about me constantly. <laughs> it was just like, I'm not made for this job. Why do I keep bothering? trying you know so i was just like yeah. all right i'm never doing this shit again and i just gave it up so i don't i don't it's blame available it's like hating restaurant you know it, work. it's easy it's always there you know especially especially in la there's five yeah. restaurants in every block you know it's not yeah yeah and all of them are full of actors and that's the other stressful yeah. thing too like listening to anxious actors you know complain about their lives and industry (laughs) stuff it's like shut the fuck up like i i hate talking to you so yeah i worked at you know the it used to be i worked at the pizza press on the bray in santa monica you know that where the target is and where all the homeless people hang out and there's like a little there used to be a bunch of no i guess like the rent was so high that everyone's like moved out there's where the target is on santa monica boulevard and I work so it's right next. Yeah. It's across the street from from Ada, where all the all the, the little little kids acting school, right? Uh-huh. And so a bunch of those kids would work okay. at the pizza press because it's a block from where they live, right? So it's you got all these actors, and uh-huh. then it was the, <laughs> the funniest yeah. shit watching them interact with like the the black dudes from South Central that worked there. This kid Dom, who's a <laughs> he used to gangbang, and he was talking. He one week like just the problems <laughs> they had were so different. One week he came in, I was like, I was like, man, what's up? He's like, he's like, ah, oh, dude, I'm just. He's like, my homie got shot downtown inside this club, man. I was like, it's like he went home early because he's so yeah. sad because his friend died. And then we got this girl Jenna the next day. He's like, I'm just so stressed out right now. I was like, oh, it's good. She's like, oh, just. She's like, my my director, he lost all our tapes. He lost our tapes. I have nothing to submit now. I was like, oh, God, go talk to Dom. Go fuck it. <laughs> you guys are both having bad weeks, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no, that honestly, that is sort of it, it, there is like kind of like an equalizer kind of thing that does occur within those kinds of spaces. And I appreciate it for that. But God, like service industry is really, really rough. I so like so now you're just in minnesota and you're doing road stuff and you're just and and you're feeling more comfortable with that i mean you're you're constantly working it seems you're booked all the time it seems like you're busy yeah i mean you know i never have a free weekend you know i'm always doing shows and stuff and now like i'm just doing stand-up i'm not fucking working a restaurant it's not like i'm making a shit ton of money exactly but you know like it's very like i'll make fifty thousand dollars this year just doing stand-up and that's it yeah yeah. so it's yeah. yeah it's good i don't know yeah. it's good i'm much happier than but now it sucks because now i'm the dude that everyone in la is like he's doing shows i want to go do road shit it's like you're five minutes <laughs> that you do in la he's like you're gonna come do 25 minutes out here for a bunch of hicks like you get the fuck out of here you're gonna go talk about buying fucking the only thing that they could yeah. relate on is getting unpasteurized goat's milk that's the only thing you can relate to farmers out here it's <laughs> just <laughs> You that you talk about Erwan. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, I'll show you my DMs of people you see at open mics that are like, Oh, I'd love to do the roads like fucking I got a Sunday showcase at the improv. No, I can go fucking like that that's how these people think. I'm like and I just every time they message me, I just I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll send you a list of people to hit up. Never fucking send them. They they just keep coming back. It's it's annoying <laughs> as fuck. Like, I didn't even talk to you when I was out there. Yeah, that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's actually a very LA move if you think about it, you know? Like Yeah. <laughs> when I think that's also what makes this city very lonely because it is a, it's it's where the industry's at, you know? Like yeah. I I treat this city as just an office. I'm like this is the workspace, this is an office. Everybody I meet are basically colleagues, you know? Like I'm yeah. not going to take anybody that personally or seriously unless yeah. unless like up if you, do. you know we saved each other's lives or some shit right <laughs> yeah. yeah it is it is how long were you in la oh so i did it out here for like nine months in minneapolis and like once i was i maybe i think probably the wiser th- i don't know i can the wiser thing would have been just to like do it out here for a couple years and then go out there but i was like oh like i was kind of sick of it out here there's kind of people that were like older comics that kind of like ran the scene that everyone talks shit about now that don't even do stand-up and like no one was friends everyone was like no one like everyone was like on eggshells like it'd be like like if you said retarded like you were done for like that was like you're dead like you're the end of the world and that was kind of like like there was like yeah. this is my my buddy Aiden McCall, he's funny as shit. He goes on the road with uh with the fucking the, the come town guys. Like he hangs out with all them and he uh Okay or Nick Mullen, those guys, right? And he moved he did okay. stand up out here for six the same thing and he moved to Las Vegas. Just because he's like, I didn't mm. think I would last out there. You know, there's not mm. he's like he's like, I had a joke I said the R word and people screamed at me. He's like, I could and he's funny as shit now and now those same people kinda of like Yeah you know, come at him like, oh, do you got spots and shit? It's like, fuck you. I remember you from five years ago yelling at me when I was at an uh, open mic, my third open mic. But now, like, those okay. people are all gone and they all have, like, you know, families or whatever. They moved to L.A. and now they're just social media managers. So L.A., I was out there four or five years. Four or five years. Okay. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think, oh, okay. Well, I mean, no, I thought, I remember seeing you back then. I was like, oh, he's really funny. Like, you definitely had, like, a perspective for sure, which is important. So many L.A. cats don't have perspective, which is annoying. You had perspective, and you also would integrate, like, your personal stories. Like, you know, the bit about your grandmother, like, speaking in tongues and stuff is, like, really, really funny. Oh, yeah. That's, like so specific to you to your experience but it's also specific to like a lot like you know i grew up in the church like a lot of americans grew up in the church and like we've all seen that you know we have relatives yeah you know family members who've done that so it's like so relatable and it's funny you know so i was like oh like he's really funny but um yeah i think la is it's just it's the industry town it's like if you if you're like auditioning and you're like trying to get like a writing job or whatever then okay fine this is great but other than that like for just only comedy yeah i don't think la is the best city for it i think maybe new york you know you'll get really good or you know if yeah. you're in a, in a city like minneapolis or even vegas or even phoenix or any city like we'll probably get more stage time more spots and yeah like and it'll probably be friendlier compared to Los Angeles, I think. Oh, yeah. It is, it's a so. smaller. I mean, it does suck because there's like a smaller pool. So people are like, I mean, there's always going to be like competitive people. But like once you do it, out, once you do it in, in L.A., you just like see how fake people are. Like people out here have nothing. Yeah. The demons that live in Los Angeles <laughs> that you interact with. You know what I mean? Like, Especially like I remember yeah. like. People just assume because like you're good at stand up or you know like like you, you crush at the open mic and you probably get this like the like the people that come up after you that just assume you run everything because you do well <laughs> fucking three minutes at the improv and you just get these like plucky yeah. young girls that just moved from Kansas and they're like they're like, oh, you're so like you know what I mean it's like oh like I'm not the fucking dude all right fucking we're this is the patio at seven hang out till ten when David Spade's here or something he can help you. <laughs> yeah 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 well i mean you know with like with those kids it's just like oh they're a little misguided or they're a little naive and you know you just leave it at that but yeah i i actually i'm i'm actually very much in admiration of your your move you know to go back because i mean were you trying to like i don't know were you trying to like book like acting jobs no i didn't do any of this i didn't do any of the shit you're supposed to do in la no (laughs) i was like just doing four open mics a night i go from the improv to the hollywood hotel to the clubhouse to the fucking flappers dude just 
spending. I'd make so 70 exhausting. bucks waiting tables and spend 20 of it doing open bikes. And then, <laughs> yeah, like that was it. I mean, it was good. Like you yeah. feel like, you know, you feel tough and you feel like you're doing it. But I don't know, you just get like old enough. And you're like, I don't need doing yeah. open mics to no people is not productive now. You know, once you're like comfortable exactly. on stage, you don't need to do exactly. stuff like that. But oh, here's crazy. Like yeah, the open mic yeah. in Minnesota yeah. are fucking, they're better than any show in LA. Like the, the open mic at Acme did it five minutes. Too. There was 300 people there mm. last night. And it's just like, you know, I mean, you're doing like good shit, you know, may throw out like a new one there, uh-huh. but it's hot, so hot. You know, like even like in like I saw a dude like he's like doing new shit, just like is in between, just like I don't know, man. They're like, oh fuck, I don't know, man. That's wild. They just lose their shit. You tell people about <laughs> the open mics out here. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's so much different than paying five dollars. Do you ever do like the Hollywood Hotel? Oh, here we. You ever no, do the Hollywood I, Hotel it mic? It just seems too depressing. So. Yeah. Did it no, still there? it seemed very depressing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I never bothered. It's just that, like, it just sounded so depressing. Like, nobody ever said nice things about that place. <laughs> so I just never yeah. bothered. But, um. It fun. was. Totally. Um, okay. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think to get better at stand-up anyway, like, it's just better to just be on the road, do the road, and, like, yeah. Need a diversity of crowds. I think that's just the only way to get better, anyhow, and that's more fun, yeah. anyhow. So, um, I I think your move is totally fucking great and excellent and respectable. So, yeah, good for you. Um, are you in Minneapolis? Like, where are you in in Minnesota? I'm in. Where I live in St. Paul. So St. Paul's like it's on the other side of the uh, river. You know, Minneapolis is ten miles away. Yeah. So it's like it's right. like two hundred thousand people. The other of the twins, mm. yes, which is the other twin. Me, my my yeah. buddy from Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas, call themselves the Twin Cities, also. But oh, I didn't know that. Mm. I didn't know that either. But like, doesn't the Minnesota Minnesota makes more sense, right? Like you're on each side of the river. They're just two cities with the same fucking name. You don't have two twins. <laughs> and you're like, here's Billy and Billy, my twin children, right? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That does make sense, actually. That's actually a very prudent observation. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, oh, the real Twin Cities. Like, no, you're not. You're just two cities on each side of the state. You're the same thing. Yeah. Right. You know, I have, a, I have a very interesting relationship with the state of Minnesota in that I have never physically been to Minnesota. It's on my list. I would love to go to Minnesota. But I've never yeah. physically been there. But I have hooked up with two guys from Minnesota. One was from oh, St. Really? Paul. The other was from Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay. And they were both. Uh, What's the better city based off people? of the experience? <laughs> uh, I would say uh, if I base off of it, though, if if I base my judgment off of those two guys, both cities are shitty cities. Yeah, they're terrible cities. <laughs> um, Minneapolis has a way bigger cock. I'll say that. Uh, That's true. <laughs> but I hate it. I hate it. The city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I hated having sex with him. And the other one, um, he was such an asshole, like so toxic, but like the sex was way better. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my impression of St. Paul. Like from St. Yeah. Paul. Usually they're, yeah. they're nice boys out here. Or actually, you know what? He's he's not from St. Paul. He's from Edina. Yeah. Oh, that makes so. sense. Yeah, you said like toxic. That's like, because that's the suburbs. That's very like, yeah. so that's super wealthy. Edina's where like, I don't you should always think yeah. of it's like the richest kids that live out here. That's mm-hmm. where like all like the, like yes. all the Vikings players, all like the wild, all the, mm-hmm. anyone that's plays on a sports team, yep. like that's where they all live. So that's, that's probably yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. This, this kid was from Edina. His dad was a doctor. Uh, he himself. You can was find him. What's his last name? Such... His dad. Where I could find where he practices. <laughs> I could drive there now. Edina's 20 <laughs> minutes away. 
<laughs> no, I, I don't I don't want to I've already revealed so much this is like the <laughs> most I've revealed on a podcast like really? ever oh my gosh oh, yeah I feel I like, I, like I'm holding guys. back what you think <laughs> I slept with on my podcast before not really not so much this is like very specific you know I'm like naming cities I'm naming things yeah. like I, I don't do that usually do you get but them... it's like uh, because of the the experience with these dudes like it's like Minnesota has always been like a helicoptering thing in my consciousness or subconsciousness and i want to go there i want to go there and like see the cities i want to do spots it's there great. i actually i applied summer. that's what everybody says it's beautiful in the summer i hear it's a great city to bike in minneapolis is a great city for oh, biking yeah. yeah but i hear the winters are very rough your last name's hangsleben is that german or what is that uh it's german yes yes okay yeah that's another thing about minnesota all the germans moved there the germans and my my mom's family is they're from iceland and so like we still have like cousins oh. in iceland that like my aunts and uncles will go and, like visit and stuff so it's very oh that's amazing wait did, yeah, did, cool. did you go to iceland and, and no i didn't my, my uncle went no i want to i don't know i was too busy at hanging out at the hollywood hotel getting yelled at the bartender for bringing in outside liquor <laughs> no go 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 to go to iceland if you go to iceland i could put you in touch with icelandic comedians who do stand up really there and they're really they're really cool people that's been my biggest yeah. thing it's like i'm gonna <laughs> oh, travel yeah okay yeah go to uncle, go to fucking Reykjavik. yeah they do have like it. english go comedy there. go there in the summer Grace yeah, perfect. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Reykjavik. Uh, I went to Reykjavik in 2015, I think, summer 2015. Yeah. And oh my God, it's so beautiful. I was like, this place is fucking magic town. It's like, you know, uh, like when you see like fairy tale video games or movies, and it's like, like, yeah. like, oh my God, it's like overwhelming. But it was like, like real you know <laughs> it's like the landscape is actually like oh my gosh yeah go yeah go there. Usually, I, you got family there. like i read like an interview with like bjork and she said that like her biggest like influence like who are your biggest influences in music she's like oh just the sounds of iceland and she's like oh the way the wind sounds is way more it's the most beautiful thing so i try to sing like that <laughs> isn't there yeah. only like fifty thousand people there too right <clears throat> A lot there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like unknown incest that goes on in Iceland for sure because of that problem. And um I have a friend there named Ava and she her yeah. mom's from Thailand, so she knows that she is not of incest. But she was like, I have friends yeah. and I have family members who accidentally fucked one another's cousins because the population's so small. Yeah. <laughs> so um but you don't have That's that like problem because you're well, like North, state. so like most of my family was in North Dakota. Yeah, it's like because it's like the, about the, the same population. It's probably half a million people total live there. The whole state. Okay. And so, wow. like everyone like knows each other. Like you just be like, like oh, you're hanging something. Like oh, my cousins are this, this. You know, like you know this guy, this guy. And then there's so, yeah. so like I went to church with my uh -huh. my aunt Joanne. There's a, the Icelandic side. So like they still they left Iceland, still have the inbreeding problem. And we were at church, and there was some some farmer came up. Like me, and my brothers were there, right? So I got three brothers. We all looked about the same, and he he's like, "My daughters are looking for husbands, and they'd like to meet your boys." And he like presented his daughters to us, and I was like, "Oh no, no, like I would, I would ruin your life. I'm not. You're looking for like a farmer. Like I live in." I live in I live in Los Angeles. I, I wait tables. This is not at all what, what you want. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, you talk about farm work too a little bit. Like you have a very like earthy sort of you know, uh, like rural kind of backdrop. It seems like which I can also relate to because I my parents are Hicks, like Korean Hicks from yeah. Korea, and. Yeah, like, were you literally... talking? What was your mom just doing? Wasn't she just doing something with like fish? Like, <laughs> you say she'd like go. 
<laughs> no, no, no. My, my, because my mom grew up on a farm. Whenever she goes yeah. out to like the ocean or the mountains, like she'll go foraging and hunting for food. Like that's just like in her yeah. to go and do. Yeah, so she'll do that. But yeah, like you know, when I was a toddler, my parents would leave me at my grandparents' house, like on the farm in Korea, and um, like I grew up with like pigs and like chickens and cows and like went to pick carrots and radishes and stuff and yeah like i i actually it's like very idyllic kind of memory for me personally so yeah another thing to appreciate about farm life which i think is awesome <laughs> and it's honest you know <laughs> oh yeah i mean i didn't like my grandparents had a farm you know what i mean like, it wasn't like i was like mm-hmm. like there's people out here that would be like you fucking city motherfucker you know what i mean like i'd just like do uh, shit with my grandpa in the summer and fucking like yeah cut down trees and like yeah, you know, like they had like raspberry but wasn't it fun? Like, like, didn't you kind of enjoy? Yeah, I'm so I... I'm so glad I grew up like that instead of just like <laughs> being too. inside all fucking. You know what I mean? And just like having yeah. like you know like in like video game induced autism. It's like I can't even imagine how you know what I mean. Like, it's not yeah. hereditary. You just get it from just fucking not socializing with people. That's it. That's mm. where... <laughs> That's an interesting. I, I think you can. I yeah. think it is hereditary also, or, like, fucking environmentally induced, but I do think you can just, sure. like, force someone to be autistic, because they're not yeah, doing yeah. anything. They yeah, don't know how they interact yeah. with people. Like, I get so fucking anxious, and they're like, why? Because you just haven't, like, been outside in the world, like, just leaving. Yeah, yeah. You know, makes you... No, I think I think there's some truth to that. Well, I mean, I, I, I was, like, reading all these books about, like, trauma and stuff, and, like, they were basically saying that sometimes like symptoms that seem like autism are actually not yeah. autism but it's actually like trauma related or or whatever so i think yeah they're environmentally it it can be it can be um <clears throat> reflective of similar symptoms i think for sure um okay well i i do this thing on my podcast with all of my guests and um we didn't go too deep into your life but you know what dude like you're a busy dude and <laughs> you're a working comic now and i want to i want to respect your time so let's just uh let's dive into this so uh the show that i'm talking about on this episode is called queen maker and it's on netflix and uh it's okay. actually a very very good k-drama and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna ask you questions based on this show like if you were this character in this situation what would you do and you just riff that's okay. all you do super fun yeah okay all right so let's get into it Let's say you're a woman named Tohi, and you're a PR strategy planner for a major corporate conglomerate called, called Unsung Group. The younger daughter of Unsung Group is named Cheryong, and Cheryong is the director of a huge department store. Okay, and she manages all these staff members. But there were these videos that people took of her in staff meetings where she would like scream, throw tantrums, hit people. It's like outrageous. Okay. Super abusive. And these videos got leaked. All right. And you are responsible for maintaining her public image. What do you do? I get someone in the board meeting and I bury them. Right. <laughs> like you blame it on someone else. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's I it. I don't know. Is that, isn't no, that the doctrine of, of Trump? Like they were. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, that's usually the move that they take. So okay. Very good. All right. Let's say you're the same woman. You're Tuhi again. You're that same PR strategy lady. Okay. Your Tuhi? client. Tuhi. Tuhi. Yeah. D O H E E. So you're oh, that okay. same client, Cheryang, the abusive lady. She's married to a man named Jaemin, okay? And Jaemin used to be a news anchor, all right? But now he wants to run for mayor. He wants to be the mayor of Seoul. That's what he wants to be. Jaemin files a complaint against one of your staff members named Isu, saying that she's threatening to call Me Too on him for rejecting her after having a one-night stand with her, with him, okay? But Isu has a different story. She says that Jaemin called her to his hotel room for a food delivery, and then he raped her. All right? But you show Isu 
fabricated text messages that make it seem like she was hitting on Jimin, and then she eventually like was trying to blackmail him. Okay. And you and you and Isa both know that these text messages are fake. You both know it, but nonetheless, you fire her. All right, you dismiss her, and and that's done with. But one day, that woman that you fired, Isa, she throws herself off a building and commits suicide. What do you do? All right, uh, uh, we get a doctor to say that, <laughs> that he had diagnosed her a lot with, with anti, for antipsychotics, right? Like she's she's predisposed to schizophrenia, and we plant marijuana. Okay. She wasn't taking her pills, but she was smoking a lot of weed, and it brought the schizophrenia to the top of her head. And uh-huh. she had an episode, uh-huh. and she jumped out the window, right? That's that's what I would do. Oh. I don't. <laughs> is, is that right? Wow. Like. <laughs> Framer, yeah. someone no, went actually... off her pills and she took a hit of weed and went crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's what happens to people. Someone a... told me that happened to someone. <laughs> <laughs> you you would actually be a really great PR strategy planner person. Yeah, I mean, uh, you should reconsider your really your is that a good answer? Career. Okay, <laughs> that was a really like, good answer. People okay. usually say for these say... things. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know. Like, it's like, you know, what would you do if you were this person? So it's fine. It's totally fine. Okay, let's say you're the same woman again. You're Tohi again, okay? You okay. confront Jimin and you ask him, did you rape Isu? And he says, yes, I did. But he shows zero remorse for what he's done. And he also says that he would like to ask you to be his campaign manager when he's running for mayor. And when you say no... He fires you. What do you do? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I go to whoever his opposition is, right? Tell him that story. I've been recording it the whole time. (laughs) I don't know why that didn't happen. (laughs) Can I just throw in? No, actually, this happened. (laughs) Yeah, and I have all all this shit on him, right? I run against him. We just just switch teams. That's how we do. We go Stormy Daniels, all right? All right, yeah. Trump. Okay, this is all right. We're showing the tapes. All right, buddy. This is, yeah. Mm. I'm just, okay, I'm just, yeah. in, <laughs> I'm just throwing the answers okay. from Trump's life and how people <laughs> have fought him. Okay, very good. All right. So let's say you're Tohi again. All right, same woman. The chairwoman of <laughs> the chairwoman of Unsung Group is somebody that you've been serving hand and foot for many years, okay? And for your dedication, the chairwoman rewarded you with a new Maserati. She offered you a VIP hospital room for your sick dad, all right? And she was, like, very generous with you, okay? But after you get fired from Unsung Group, she takes away your car, and she kicks your dad out of the hospital, and your dad wanders off into a street somewhere, gets into an accident, and he dies. What do you do? I'm going to blame the hot... Oh, okay, wait, so I got fired. Okay, so this is... all. We're, I'm trying to get back at Insung Group somehow, right? <laughs> oh, dude. You, you got fired, and then they took away all the spoils, and your dad died as a result. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is it... Did I, do I have an NDA with Insung Group? Can I just leak everything? As retribution, I just fucking <laughs> can I just yeah. make a dossier? Just give it to who's Insung Group's opposition. Who hates Insung Group? <laughs> right? Who's actually that? That never comes up. <laughs> Who can I give it They're to? Like, they... oh, okay. So you would you would make you would make plans to enact revenge? Essentially, that's what you're saying. Yeah totally get back at them yeah that's okay. i all right like if there's so, if there's someone is there like i don't know if it's the rnc is there a dnc i can go to and be like hey i got this info about <laughs> about mm. in some group right and yeah you do whatever you yeah. want with this right and then all okay. of a sudden it's on korean fox news and <laughs> it's all over yeah. right <laughs> yeah 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 okay okay yeah no, it's this all seems logical. Yeah, very good. Okay. 
Let's say you're a different woman now. All right, we're changing your character. Let's say you're a woman named Kyung Suk. Okay, you are a human rights attorney fighting for the rights of marginalized people everywhere. All right, so. There were these part-time workers who were unjustly fired from the department store owned by Unsung Group, and one day, the PR head of Unsung Group, Dohee, who you despise, all right, because of all of her, you know, corrupt ways, she comes to you and she says that she would like you to run for mayor of Seoul and she wants to be your campaign manager. But you are very well aware of all the corrupt things that Dohee has done for the Unsung family. But she says she wants to make things right in her life by making a human rights lawyer like you the mayor of Seoul. What do you do? Okay, I do. I can be like, hey, like treat the workers better, right? And then I'll work for you if you do this. Maybe like, little upgrades for the factories, and then mm. right, you change it from the inside, right? Uh, yeah, we're going to change hearts yeah. and minds by saying, "Fuck you, do he?" <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Like we, I don't know. You wouldn't get anywhere, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Very good. Okay. Let's say you're you're the same uh, human rights attorney lady, Kyung Suk. Okay. You've decided to run for mayor with Tohi's help. All right. You need a lot of funds for your mayoral campaign, but she keeps setting you up in meetings with these corporate lobbyists. All right, and that that's totally against your ethics. But your campaign is very expensive, and very small compared to your competitors. What do you do? You know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna remain small. <laughs> like I can't even say that seriously. Like I'm, I don't know. You just gotta become what you hate. All right. And all of a sudden, you're you're lobbying for the rights of workers, <laughs> and then, so that they can become rich and evil too. That's what you want. Oh, okay. You want the yeah, yeah. Let everybody win. Okay. All right. Okay, let's say uh, let's say you're the same attorney. All right, you're Kyung Suk again. You've decided that your whole—I okay. mean, no—I'm sorry—you dedicated your whole life to human rights. All right, and that requires a lot of time away from your family. Right, your husband—he's very supportive, but he's the one that's like taking care of everything. Your son, who's a teenager, he resents you because you're never around. One day, your son beats up another kid in school. And this gets leaked in the press and makes you look like a shitty parent, makes your son look like a shitty kid. All right, everybody hates you and your family now. The parents of the kid who got beaten up by your son, they want to press charges. The school wants to expel your kid. All right, there's a lot of drama. But later, you find out that the reason why your son beat up that other boy is because that kid posted photos of your face superimposed onto a half-naked woman, and. Like put that all over the internet. What do you do? Uh, I do what the Biden family does. I just say uh, my kid's a drug addict and he's in recovery <laughs> and <laughs> and he's painting now. He's doing much better. He's he's put down the crack pipe. He's doing watercolors now. Also, why do you? Like, and my kid, like, he is he clearly has rage issues. Like he has, <laughs> if he's getting mad, he's like. Yeah. Also, how did you know yeah. I don't have big honking tits? All right, this is. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good okay. Photoshop if he's getting mad over it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good. Let's say uh, now you're a different woman. You're a much younger woman. Okay. You're a sexier, hotter lady. Your name is Chiyun. And you used to be Tohi's protege. You were her protege. You were Tohi's apprentice. But when Tohi got fired, you replaced Tohi as the head of Unsung's PR department. Okay, but you're currently having an affair with Chemin, the guy who's running for mayor. And Chemin is not only a husband, but he's also a father to two young daughters of his own. You are now pregnant with Chemin's kid. What do you do? Do uh blackmail him, make him raise the kid, buy me a house. Uh, yeah. he doesn't have to be in the kid's life as long as my life is mm. made, right? He can pay for it. 
give me a house, give yeah. me, uh, give me, you know, a Bentley. Just put me mm. up. I don't have, you don't have to interact with it. I won't say anything. I'll sign an NDA as long as the build, bills are paid for. Yeah. Right? Wow. You have a, you have a really excellent mind for being a corrupt woman, actually, Connor. That's what I'm getting <laughs> That's all I am is a corrupt woman. <laughs> okay, okay, very good. All right, we're almost done. Let's say, let's say you're Kyungsook again. You're that attorney lady. All right. During your mayoral campaign, a woman named Hwasu gives a press conference falsely accusing you of embezzling funds from grassroots donations. Hwasu used to be one of your clients, and she was a very dear friend. But now she's standing on your opponent's side. What do you do? I mean, she's my friend. It's, I don't. I keep saying this. Leak all her info. Just put it out <laughs> in the public. Any dirty laundry I have, any boyfriend she had in middle school, whatever she did. There's, there's <laughs> pictures of her smoking dope. I'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna say she's smoking crack. If you just smoke it, just make her look bad. You can just put this shit out there. Someone will believe it. Some side will yeah. join up with it and they'll hate her. It doesn't matter okay. if it's right or wrong. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's there. Mm. So people mm-hmm. think that forever. You just say it one day and no one's checking back the next day. If it's right or wrong. All right? Look at Kyle Rittenhouse. Everyone thinks he killed black people. He, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, no, people still think that. We're going to do the same yeah. thing to her. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. You're a very vindictive CNN, woman. So I know how these things work. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you really? <laughs> no, you're kidding, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. I didn't. All right, all right. Last. No, but actually, I, I could actually see you working for CNN. Like, all the things that, you know, you would say, they are kind of, like, in line with the way that the story was going. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. He's actually <laughs> kind of on point. Okay, last, last question. Let's say you're Chimin. You're that sole mayoral corrupt dude impregnating bitches everywhere. Yeah. It gets revealed in the press that... Isu, the young woman who committed suicide, uh, mm-hmm. it gets revealed that you pushed her off the building. And there's a recording, a file recording of you having done that. It's also revealed that you sexually assaulted her. All right. All of these things get revealed. It's in a voice recording. All right. And now everybody knows. Everybody knows that it's you who's done this. And it's all over the media, all over the media. In addition to that, you find out that your own father, who was at one point a politician, he was coerced into suicide by the man who is currently managing your current mayoral campaign. What do you do? (laughs) I don't know where the win. I... Do I have any info I can snitch? Can I snitch? Who can I snitch on? Who's done? There's nothing because I'm the t- right? I have nowhere to turn. This is, I'm dead. Yeah, it's over, bro. Like, yeah, I'm taking, uh, I'm going to pick up the pills that I planted on that bitch and I'm going to swallow them myself. All right, that's what oh. <laughs> psychotic she wasn't taking. <laughs> yeah, so I'm dead. That's it. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm ODing. I'm ODing in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm putting on. I'm gonna put some music they would never oh. think of. I'm putting on Pantera. All right, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm rocking all night <laughs> into the abyss. Everything goes dark. What would be your? That ends. What would be your last meal? My last meal. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I'm a Korean man. Like, what would be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're Korean dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it, what's funny is that uh, to say that Koreans love fried chicken doesn't sound racist, but it does sound racist to say that black people love fried chicken. Isn't that funny? It's very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> even though I, <laughs> even though like I don't, it is such a weird thing because I have something like 
like every I don't know, it's a, it's a universal thing. You could say that about every race now. And the Koreans are yeah. onto it. Because it is like every like yeah. like every like country song is the way you can sing about how much you love fried chicken, right? You say the same thing. Oh, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's like it's also like every other like everyone likes it. It's universal now. J- Japan, yeah. there's KFCs all over the fucking place. Maybe like Europeans yeah. don't like it, but yeah, they're like it's so, so greasy, it's dirty, you know? Like they're above that. But yeah, yeah. Whereas, this is yeah. the post-racial society we live in. <laughs> Yes, where there is universal. Yeah, so I eat fried chicken and then eat some pills. (laughs) 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 Yeah, going out Korean style. Very good.